Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Old Chicks No Shit Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. Today, we are going to be talking about a subject that has just been so present for me in the last little while. It's actually making me really sad, and it's really hurting my heart a lot to see how many women, especially women in midlife, who are at war with their bodies. And, you know, I recently joined a fitness group for women over 50, and, you know, I see these women working on their bodies from the place of yes, wanting to better their bodies, but also from a place of really, really hating their bodies and what their bodies have become. And I am just struck by how much energy goes into this hatred of their body that could actually be redirected into creating a really kick-ass chapter. So today, my guest is Star Monroe. She is a licensed psychotherapist, a master coach, an author, a speaker, a conscious relationship therapist. She is also a retired showgirl, an exotic dancer who has an incredible life story, been through addiction, burnout, I think a couple of times, bankruptcy, and is now like living what I call her kick-ass next chapter. So I really want to jump into this topic. So welcome, Star. Thank you very much for having me. So tell us a little bit about your story. I mean, I have been kind of binging your content over the last week, but first of all, because I just freaking love the work that you do. And your story is so incredible. So tell us a little bit about just kind of how you got to where you got to and kind of all of these different (laughs) pieces of your life. Yeah, sure. So I was at war with who I was for the majority of my life. I started this war around the age of 10, 11. And I just realized I didn't have at 10, 11, a body that looked like my girlfriend's or was in the fashion magazines. And so I was really kind of unhappy with my lot. And it started this journey of self-hate that continued until my early 40s. And so how it transcended on one level was I was in and out of an eating disorder all of my teens. I've been married and divorced twice. I got married in my 20s and I also got married in my 40s. And where everything stems from, because when I rocked up into my 40s, I was like, I don't understand why I keep doing the things I'm doing, but they're no longer working for me. Mm. So if I backtrack on how that looks, severe body hate, I would do anything and everything to be skinny, to change, try and change my body shape. When I came out of my first marriage and hit my 30s, I had a child, so I became a single mom, and I just started partying, uh, drinking heavily. I got mixed up in cocaine, which dropped into a seven-year addiction. I became an alcoholic. I was a high-functioning addict because I was running an incredible business at the time. But 
over that decade I spent on my money and I had to declare myself bankrupt, which then led me to living on the breadline. When I gave up the cocaine, it was 2008, and I just realized, I was like, I can't carry on doing this. I had a breakdown. And I went into bodybuilding. And so I, my background is fitness. I was always, I was in the fitness and uh, health arena. And I started bodybuilding and was on the stage within a year. And that really, I look back now, it's a long time ago, but it was a massive achievement. And I learned a lot about myself through that. But it messed everything up and I started to binge and purge again. And then I was just chasing, I call it the body beautiful. I was chasing, I've been chasing the body beautiful all my life. I've had shitloads of plastic surgery. I'm very open about my journey. uh, I have certain things that I keep private, but most of the things that I talk about, you know, I'm like, I'm an open book, but I've had loads of plastic surgery. I don't regret anything. It's my body, my rules. I get to do what I want to do with it. A lot of my plastic surgery that I had done in my early 30s was because I didn't like the body I had. And so then I entered my 40s and I was just dieting all the time. I was clean eating. I called it, it was clean eating, but it was dieting. And what I would do is I would get really lean again and then I would stop and then I would binge and I'd put loads of weight on. And I just hit my 40s and that was the nail in the head for me, but it was, it was the nail in the coffin. And for me, it was just like, you keep doing this. What the fuck is going on with you? So I said, and I think I, at the time I had another breakdown and I was overworking. I was pushing myself to be successful, do more, have more. And I just went, I can't carry on like this. And there were certain women that I was reading their books and I was inspired by. And I was like, I know there's another way of living my life, but I don't know how I'm going to get there. And they're saying that they have this harmonious relationship with their bodies. And I'm like, I don't, and I can't quite see myself there yet. This way of that I'm living cannot be the only way. So I would say that was the main thing that started to shift my life when I was around 40 years old, that the way that I'm thinking cannot be the only way. And I want this. I don't yet know how to go and get it but I'm going to keep my mind open and I'm going to find the answers. So then I spent the next decade putting myself through school again. I trained to be a psychotherapist, body psychotherapist, relationship coach, eating psychology coach, sex love and dating coach. I did loads of stuff purely for me to understand me and why I did the things I did. So what I found out about myself in the decade of my 40s was I did all this work And I realized that, and this is all my work where it originates back to childhood wounding and how we, our formative years are zero to seven. So our parents do the best job they can with the resources they have. And so what they do is they form us and we learn at a very early age that we have to be a certain way and act to get our sense of love and our sense of belonging. And it's human nature to to want, we will always want to belong. And so as I trip back and look at my 10 year old, I just didn't belong because I didn't look like the girls in the magazine. And for me at that time, it was really like supermodel era is very much based on your looks. You had to look a certain way. 
So what I had discovered is that I had loads of inner child wounding that I had to go in and repair and learn how to reparent my inner child. So she didn't run the show because what happens is our most unevolved parts of us will run the show when the shit hits the fan over and over again. And then, so this is the work I did in my 40s, but then what I realized is I've done all this work on myself. I think it was about 46 and my body started to change with menopause, perimenopause, getting older, but also I, my lifestyle dramatically shifted because I was always teaching pole dancing, exotic arts, Pilates. I was in the gym and I stopped because I took my business online. So I stopped being so active and I started to put weight on. But I was like, okay, I understand this. It's like my body is okay whether she's 30 pounds heavier or 30 pounds lighter. Like I've done so much work to kind of go, my body is going to change. But I was like, why do I not like myself? Why is it so hard? So in 2016, I spent the year really researching why I don't and women don't like themselves. And what I found, and I wrote a bunch of essays on it, is they're called Disrupt the Shit. And it's like the sneaky secrets, patriarchy, capitalism, beauty industry, fitness industry, dieting industry, social media don't want you to know. And so what I've learned is like, oh, fuck, we have been brainwashed since the time we were born to think that there's something wrong with us. So we end up spending money on shit we don't need. Um, And it's a perpetual self-fulfilling prophecy. And so as I started to do that, again, I started to question everything and started to look at myself through a different perspective. And so that this is the way that I teach. You have to disrupt and agitate your inherent condition. If you want to feel freedom and alive, you cannot do what you've been doing and you've got to heal your wounding. And the other thing as well is you've got to hang around with women that are living this way of life. Like I do not hang around, spend any of my time with anyone that's moaning about their body. It's like, I'm not here for that anymore. I've done so much work on myself. So, and it's convoluted. And the thing is what I've learned, because we were saying before, just we got on, it's like, oh, my heart feels sad. And it is, I don't feel sad about it. Do you know what? Women, we're adults, right? We're fucking grown ass adults. And the world treats women as children. And women let the world treat women as children. You let everyone tell you that there's something wrong with you, that you need to fix it, that you haven't got the answers. And the thing is, if you do not question this, you do not question this narrative, then yeah, you're going to hate your body. You're going to despise everything about you. And the thing is that you've got to stand up. I say you've got to stand your motherfucking ground. You've got to advocate for yourself because no other, nobody is going to advocate for you. Nobody. And at Midlife, you are an adult, you're grown, and it is now that's the time that you stand your ground and you decide to do things differently. If you don't do that, then the rest of the last half of your life is going to carry on the same as the first half. Yeah. Okay. I have about a billion questions about because you and I think very, very similar about this. But so first of all, I just want to unpack some things that you said about you know, kind of your, your history and growing up. And so, you know, when you talked about like not having confidence in your body, not wanting your body to be, or, you know, not thinking that your body was acceptable to society. And then to me, it felt like an 
obvious contradiction that you ended up in the world of burlesque and pole dancing, you know, and things like that, which is all about the body. Was that a contradiction in your mind or was that just a way for validating that your body? Life is a, life's a contradiction. Life's a paradox. It's not yes, black it and white. It's like, it's not. And so the journey that took me to fitness, so I started in the fitness arena. I started teaching aerobics when I was 18. I did it because I wanted to change my body. I wanted to oh, be okay. lean. I wanted to be like Jane Fonda. So, but that's got nothing to do with the burlesque, right? So okay. I went into fitness and I was like, I want a different body and I'm going to get it through fitness. So that ended up all the way through 18, 19, all the way through the decade of my twenties. Then as I got into my thirties and I divorced, so my first husband and I divorced and my marriage was quite a controlling one. I am a free spirit. I will do what the fuck I want when I want to do it. And I will live a life according to my rules. I've always been like that. I'm quite selfish. I'm very like, this is what I want. I'm going to go out there and get it. And my first husband kind of snipped my wings a little bit. So as I went into my thirties, I kind of just went, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to find out what lights me up and I'm going to fucking do it. And I remember sitting in the kitchen having a cup of tea one morning and I saw these girls and this guy was teaching these girls sexy dancing in Hollywood. And I was like, I could fucking teach that. And so within like a month, I'd set up these classes. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to do pole dancing too. Went up to London, could not fucking do anything on that pole at all. But I was like, I'm going to do it. And I'm a businesswoman first and foremostly. Like I will find an idea and I'm going to run with it. And I was like, I'm going to start up pole dancing and uh, like these cardio striptease classes. So I started teaching it. And then when I did the pole dancing, I could not do anything. I couldn't even walk around the pole. I couldn't even hold myself up. Fast forward into 15 years, I was a showgirl. I was on stage. I opened up big events because I built myself from the ground up. And the thing is, over that period of time, pole dancing, exotic art, striptease, burlesque, these are portals into women's sensuality and therefore their power. I always taught it because as I started to go into my 30s, even though I was destroying myself on one hand, I was building myself up on the other hand. Like I said, life's a paradox. Yeah. My life's always been a paradox and full of contradictions. So it's like I said to all these women and I taught thousands upon thousands upon thousands of women. I was like, you're doing this for you. So I used to teach them strip tees. I was like, this is not for your partner. This is for you. This is for your empowerment. This is for your power. And so for me, it was like, we're accessing the goddess inside us. And I didn't even know as much as I know now, but it was like, no, we're accessing this power. So it was something beyond me that took me onto that journey. And then, but behind it, yeah, there was always this, like, I'm never happy with my body. I was never happy with my body. Yet the paradox was I was on the pole in a fucking thumb bikini and, you know, it was like there was this total paradox in it all. It, it was one of the, apart from now, you know, everything that I've taught, teaching those arts to women was one of the most transformational things I've ever done. And the thing what destroyed me is 
I just worked too much. So it was fun at the beginning. And then towards the end, I just got exhausted with it. I was just working. My school got too big. I had too many instructors working for me. And so it became less fun as well. And also then as I went into my 40s and I started to do this deeper excavation work, I realized that I'd, I was outgrowing that identity of the showgirl because that's what I'd done. I'd manifested or cre- I don't like that word manifest. It's I created this version of me that was bigger, bolder, in your face, fears. And so for me in my 40s, I had to strip her away. And therefore, I, I've retired from pole dancing and the and showgirl world probably mid 40s. Right. Well, and I think that's an interesting what you just said, because, you know, I think as we go through life, like we are supposed to be growing and changing and shifting and shedding old identities and moving forward, right? But somehow, you know, as humans, we've gotten into this, okay, I must control things and I must be the same, you know, throughout the chapters of my life. I must, you know, hang on to this when, and a lot of it comes from fear of letting go of what we know. And like, that was definitely my thing, right? Like fear, fear of letting go of this corporate identity of myself, right? To do other things. But this process of unlearning in midlife, it's like shedding all of the things that we've learned along the way about who we are and what we believe are about ourselves and how we show up in the world to allow ourselves to evolve into that next version of us. And hopefully, I'm not hopefully, I know we will keep evolving into the versions of us till the day we die. But there is a process of letting go, right, that I think where most of us get stuck. Yes, you're correct. It's like, and I believe at midlife, it's, and I see it more in women's, I I like working with women in their 50s, right? Because women in their 40s, they're going through that decade where they're no longer young, but they're not old. So they're freaking the fuck out. And it really is, it's a whole process. A lot of women don't do it. A lot of women don't do that, take this journey. I, I see it as a yep. rite of passage that you, in my world, you're moving from the archetypal energies of princess, late princess into queen in training into queen years. And it's really asking you, and in psychotherapy, you're stepping really into your mature adult and you're being asked to really look at yourself through a magnifying mirror and go, whoa, what's not working for me? And then that means that you, I, everybody else who chooses to do this work has to shift and do the inner work. And that's not easy. It's really hard to do. The main thing that kind of drove me was I doing the same thing was just causing me so much pain and discomfort. And that's what the women tend to be like when they come into my world. I think pain's a great motivator. It's like, I can't keep doing this. This is what I was talking about this a minute ago. I was just recording some stuff for TikTok. And it's like the road that you're traveling is there, but it's not paved you have to pave that road, yeah. but the road that you're on is well paved. It's well grooved into your psyche. And that's why it's really easy to go back to your old ways over and over again. And it, it does take like this warrioress spirit to be able to choose a different path because you have to pave your new life the way that you want to pave it. And that's why you need people like us in your world because people were going to guide you to do it. No one can pave your path. It's your path to pave, which then goes up against patriarchy capitalism because and all these 
dickheads on social media that go, I've got the cure, I've got the one, two, three formula, do this, get this. And it's all bullshit. There's no secret formula. There's no secret code to get you to living a life aligned with who you really are. It's you doing the inner work, disrupting and agitating your inherent conditioning, healing your wounding so you can have a more harmonious relationship with yourself. That for me, I was talking about this to somebody the other day and I was like, it doesn't sound sexy, yet it's so sexy. Having a harmonious relationship with yourself is so freeing. It's liberating because like you said, you're not wasting any energy fighting reality. And this is all you've got, you know, this is all you've got in any one moment. And I I spent the best part of my life fighting who I was. And it's exhausting. It really is. You and me both, sister, you and me both. And I think here's the thing. I mean, as women, you know, we are told from the very beginning, when we set foot on this planet, how to be, how to speak, how to show up, right? When you've been cultured in that for 40 years, right? Like the fact that there is even another path and that you get to choose, you know, after being told how to be for so long and the fact that you get to throw out the rules and choose how you want that path to be, I think is sometimes difficult for us to be like, oh, wow, okay, how do I even begin to do that? Right. Because we've been, we've just been, yeah. it's like you said, the pa- between the patriarchy, you know, the culture that we live in, we're told that our value is in, you know, our ability to have babies, you know, is our body pleasing to somebody outside of ourselves and what we do mm-hmm. for other people. Right. And so we hit this midlife thing. All of that is shifting. And now we're like, whoa, where do I go? And we've never been told that we have a choice. Right. We've never been taught that. Mm-hmm. And so, Uh I mean, that's why, you know, the work that we both do is so freaking empowering for people because all of a sudden it's like the lights come on and they're like, oh, wow, I have another option. (laughs) I get to choose. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And also it's like everyone is so brainwashed and it will keep you in this matrix. And it's like you said something a minute ago, you said like, where do I start? It's like, where does someone start? And it's, it was a rhetorical question, but it's like, you just start by questioning things. And trust me, the people that you need in your life, you're going to find them. You're going to start reading different things, different books, different ways of living your life. And I know, and you know, it's really confusing to begin with. I mean, I've been on this journey for 12 years and I'm completely out. I'm not in it. I moved abroad. I don't associate with any kind of the matrixy stuff. I just live a life on my terms. I live kind of most of the time in solitude. And because it's really easy to get sucked in, sucked into it again and again. And that's why you've got to be more mindful about the people you're hanging around with. One of the things that I stopped doing really early on, and, and I've always been surrounded by women, teaching them, coaching them, therapizing them, And normally in big groups as well with the teaching is I stop them moaning about their body right from the get go. Mm. And anyone that moans about their body is like, I don't try and change them. I don't try and change them. It's not my job to change someone who's moaning about their body. It's not your job to change them, but I don't associate. I don't spend time in it. My time 
and energy. This is the other thing that women have been brainwashed to think that your time is everybody else's, uh, that you yeah. need to do all this and this and this. Again, it goes back to your sense of love and belonging that you learned when you were younger. This is why you have to disrupt. You have to do your healing because you will never be your own person. It's like you get one life, one life. Like my mantra is to feel fully alive and it's not to spend any time with people that are moaning about their bodies. It's just like, get on with it. If that's what you want to do, then get the fuck on with it. That I'm, I, mean, I have that attitude now, but it's like, because I can only help women to change the ones who want to change. I've learned this over my period of life doing this. I thought I could change the world and change everything. Now I'm like, now nah, fuck that. I'm just going to change the ones, help give you, I'll teach you everything I need, you need to know. And then it's up to you to do things differently. And it keeps coming back to the fact that society treats women like children and women let themselves be treated like children. You're not a child. And the thing is, like, you'll notice it in your language. You go, I can't do this. I should do this. Oh, maybe. It's like, no. You're like a grown ass adult. It's like you've got to take the reins of your fucking life. That's the thing. And I see this too, like women waiting for permission to take the reins of their own life. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, so when the kids leave, oh, you know, when my husband finishes this, when that, right? And it's like you said, if you do not grab the reins and give yourself that permission you will spend the rest of your life in that place because there's always be something. There will always be something in the way, always. That's it. Yeah, like there's always going to be something. Yeah. There'll always be another excuse. And that's like, I'm not dismissing how hard it is to choose yourself, to choose a different path. Mm. It is really hard. I'm never going to sit here and go, it's easy. Like it took me two years to ask my last husband for a divorce. And even then I did it when I was fucking wasted. I was like completely drunk. And I was just like, I just did it. And I couldn't even remember I did it. But I'm divorced. So it must have done the trick. I just so, that podcast episode, by the way. And when you were talking about FaceTime and you're drinking, I was always like, I went like, oh, oh. <laughs> Do you know what? Life's messy. I'm messy. I'm like, nah, like, fuck it. You know, this is why people can talk to me as well, because whatever they've done, I've probably done it fucking tenfold. I don't judge people. I'm like, we're all messy human beings. And the thing is, people try to keep the veneer of perfection up or, you know, and it's like, no, like everything probably that I've done has been messy. It's been gnarly. And it's like, if you want to choose a different path, you got to be prepared to make a fucking shit show of it. And you will make a fucking shit show of it. Um, but you will hopefully, you'll learn from it and then you'll keep sort of gently trekking on to where you want to go. But it's not going to be easy. It's a client in the membership just said, I just don't have the courage and the confidence to do what I need to do. And I just wrote back to her and I just went, well, here's the kicker. I said, you're not going to get it until you start doing it. You're not going to get it until you start doing the things that are making you feel uncomfortable. I remember back in 2018, right, I've been documenting my journey back home to myself for the last 12 years through my writings, through videos, and I've been collating them all over the last year. And this is a period of time when I was married to my second husband. So 2016, we got married. 17, we were traveling a little bit. 18, I didn't write for the whole year. No writings whatsoever because I'd lost myself in that marriage. I'd completely 
lost myself. I sat on the sofa at my house back in the UK. Just my life had got super fucking small. It was, I even got scared getting in the car, driving down to the town. That's how small my life had got. I didn't go out. I didn't talk to my friends. I squirreled myself away. I was really unhappy. And at the beginning of that year, I just went, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to Bali because I've always wanted to go to Bali. I want to go and learn yoga. And it's been a 10-year kind of one of my dreams. And I didn't have any money at the time because I was still living on the breadline. I, I know I was married, but I met monies were separate. And I just kind of went, I'm going to do it and I'm going to find a way. And that's the thing. That's how life happens is like make a decision and like you'll, I'll find a way. It's not like the universe sprinkles down everything, you know, and go, yeah. you know, I don't believe that. The universe is me, right? The universe is you. The universe is like us. We're the universe, right? We're the ones that get to change everything in our lives. So I made that decision and I worked my fucking ass off all year. I worked really hard and I got the money and I went to Bali, realized I fucking hated yoga, but found some really cool people that I just really got on with. And it was first time for about two or three years that I started to laugh, started to come out of my shell. And that's when I started to come back. So I took a hiatus from social media, from my business. So I came back on, started talking about stuff. And I said to myself... This is how you start doing things, right? It's like in 2019, I went every day this year, I am going to get gently a little bit out of my comfort zone. I'm going to do the things I don't want to do. So for me, it was quite tangible as well. It's very good when we have something tangible so you get your hands right. So for me, it was like talking on social media, sharing my ideas. And I hadn't done it for a long time, but also I was in this kind of evolution. So through that year of me doing the things that I was uncomfortable with, I built more courage and clarity and conviction in myself. And then you fast forward six years and it just comes naturally to me now, but nothing could have happened unless I made the decision to get gently out of my comfort zone. But the other thing that really changed my life, and again, all the money that I paid to go on this Bali trip, it was worth it because the meaning of the word karma, most people say it's what goes around, comes around. It's not. It, it doesn't mean that at all, right? It's again, Western Instagram has bastardized something. The meaning of karma is that we show up every single day and do the best we can. We go to bed and recognize our efforts. We let go of the expectations because most people uh, live a really unhappy life because of their expectations. We let go of the expectations and trust that the right people, circumstances and events come into our life when the time is right. So I started repeating that mantra to myself and I didn't quite believe all of it. But over again, a period of six years, so most people want a quick fix. Most people want to do one month and then change. No, it's going to take ages for you to change, but you're with yourself all the time. So why not do it? So it's convoluted, this kind of women hating their bodies, but it's like, they're drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. They're just drinking the Kool-Aid. And I think a lot of women are happy drinking the Kool-Aid. It's like, carry on. If you want yeah. to hate your bodies. And it's like, and also 
worth saying like what a woman does with her body is up to her it's got nothing to do with anyone she wants to embrace she wants to tweak do we want you know that's the other thing as well we're damned if we do we're damned if we don't and I noticed that from all the stuff that goes viral like people will either just absolutely love me or rip me to shreds and it's just like do you know what whatever you know I'm just going to carry on being me and doing what I want to do yeah so I think I saw one of your posts where somebody had commented on the fact that you were talking about loving your body yet you had had plastic surgery and that to me was just like this is like the trap right here because Mm -hmm. it's like oh if you don't do something you know you're letting yourself go and you know like oh you're not aging well this that and the other but if you decide to change your looks, then all of a sudden it's like, well, you're copping out. You're not. So pick a lane. I know. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Either way. Yeah. I mean, the thing is as well, even I just keep myself to myself, right? I just do my job. I'm here to serve. I'm here to share my wisdom with the women that want to hear it, right? I do not associate myself with anybody. I just go on my fucking track and keep on it. But whenever I come off it, there is always some fucking midlife woman harping on about no Botox, go grey. I'm just like, shut the fuck up because you are, again, just giving women more fucking rules. Mm -hmm. It's like, do what you want to do. Like you said, choices. You've got to claim your choices and you've got to advocate for you. Learn to trust your own opinion. Learn to trust... Yes. Yes. And that's why I won't listen to anybody that it just harps on about, oh, you should age gracefully. I always remember a long time ago, I listened to this woman and I really admired her. And she did these big summits when summits were really like popular online. She was very natural, like into like kind of healthy living. But she said, I would never have a woman on here with implants. And then for me, I was just like, we're done. I'm like, I don't listen to you anymore. It's like, It's like men just don't have these many rules for themselves. See, this is the other thing, right? Here's a really good question to ask yourself. Would a man say this? Would a man think this? And go with the audacity of an old middle-aged white man, right? Go with the audacity of an old middle-aged white man. No, he wouldn't. And I see them in Turkey all the time, right? They're strolling around. Their beer guts are hanging out. They do not give a fucking shit. Have the audacity of an old middle-aged white man would a man think like this yeah it's like would a man think like this would a man do this no would a man even have this conversation around bodies no yeah you know it's like they don't well and that's the thing right like we're swapping one set of rules for another and so like but again it's not the right track because this part of our life is about throwing out all the rules and living in a way that feels Mm. true and authentic to us whatever that looks like if it's Completely changing your body, whether it's doing nothing, whether it's exactly or whatever. If you want to, yeah, yeah. If you want to go to Rio and have a complete and utter body lift, then go do it. Go do it. You know, if you want to, I don't know, like fuck ten guys or ten women or like a menage or whatever, go do it. It's like it's men have been doing this. All their lives. Men do what the fuck they want when they want. Yeah. Right? And the thing, I think is a really good marker. Would a man do this? No. Would a man yeah. spend time talking about this? No. So it's like I'm almost getting to that point. Well, I know I'm at that point anyway. Right. And it's like, it's just, no, why are we talking about it? It doesn't even matter. So the thing is, again, the women that it matters to, they're drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Drinking the Kool-Aid. 
It's the curious souls are the ones that are going to set themselves free. Seekers. Yes, for sure. They're the ones who set themselves free. Yeah. yeah. I want to come back to something that you said, which I think is, I want to double click on this point because I think it's really, really important. And you talked about like confidence being a decision and an action, right? Like that just resonates so strongly with me because, you know, when we say, well, I don't have the confidence, the question is, what have you done to get the confidence? Because confidence comes from taking an action, like you said. And it took me a long time to learn this one, like a long time to learn this one. But when it clicked, yeah. with that, and I can almost remember the day when it clicked, it was like, oh, shit. So here am I sitting here waiting for confidence. I'm not sure where it's coming from. Right. But it's like, oh, wait, wait, no, no, no. Here I am. It's me. I have to rely on me to get the confidence. Right. And when that's one, well, like, yeah. oh, wow, shit, this is okay. It's so much easier to get confidence than you think. <laughs> yeah. We're so brainwashed. We think everything is outside us. Yes. See, let me put, I'll slide something else into this as well. So I'm just like completing an, a course like midlife dating and relationships. And I said, why is it that our society says men have to pay for the first meal? Why does it say women should pay for the first meal? This is how my brain works, right? My brain works like this all the time. So I'm like, why aren't you questioning shit like this? Why do you think everything is rote? It's not. I wrote a long time ago, you've got to question everything, then question it some more, then question it some more, and then keep fucking questioning it. You've got to question everything. And this is like, even when I work with one-to-one clients, I'm like, what? you've got to question your thoughts. You've got, see, midlife, menopause, perimenopause, it is an invitation for you to look and find your own rhythm with life. Most women overcommit, overwork, are still hooked onto the archetypal archetype energies of caregiver, good girl, and people pleaser. That won't work for you. Your body is no longer young. The other thing is people still deny I'm ageless. I'm like, why the fuck do you want to be ageless? Yeah. Be age full. Oh, I'm 52, but I feel 20. I'm like, I'm 52 and I feel fucking 52. It's like, I don't need to fuck around with my age. I'm 52. So the thing is as well, is like, we're getting older. One of my dear mentors said to me, every single day, we're a day closer to dying. And we are. Most people don't even want to talk about death. Most people don't want to talk. Look at their mortality. I'm like, look at it. Like, really look. You're going to die. It's the only certain thing in our lives. And the thing that starts to happen at midlife menopause is that we cannot go at the same pace. We cannot go. If you're going at the same pace, you're going to be hooked onto adrenaline and cortisol. Cortisol skews your perception of time. So you always believe you don't have enough time. What a fucking shit way to live. What a shit way to live. So my main thing that I say to women over and over again, and whatever's going on, whatever issue that they think is going on, I'm like, what pace of life are you going? How much space have you got in life? Do you contemplate? Do you spend time to ponder? Here's a little history fact for you. In the 1800s, libraries were built for men so they could go off away from the busy household, sit in their armchairs, smoke a cigar and contemplate and read newspapers. Women, women never had that. Women had to stay at home, do all the washing, clean the house, look after the kids. It's in our DNAs. It's generational lineage that we are dragging with us. Yet you can go, this shit stops with me. It does not go any further. Yeah. 
Oh, it doesn't that. go any further. I'm going to do things differently. Yeah. So the generational lineage that is in all of us, we can stop it. And I even like, I look at my mom and cause I'm in Turkey, my mom's out here at the moment. And I'm just like, she just is always overgiving and she's like been mentally ill for the, since menopause. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm the anomaly in my family. I'm the selfish one. I'm the one who just lives for herself. And it is, I butt up against guilt. Guilt's not an emotion, by the way. Guilt is based upon a perceived set of rules that you've taken on over your life. And underneath it sits shame. And I need to be able to sit and give my shameful parts a really happy home and not dismiss them. Okay, so I need to be able to sit with all parts of me, especially if you are a wild card, if you're a rebel or rule breaker, then you've got to be able to handle all the emotions that that's going to bring up. Well, this yeah. is the other thing that like, it gets my knickers in a knot all the time. And like, this was my experience. As people, as humans, we are not taught how to process emotion, right? Like we are not taught to validate and process emotion. And so Mm -hmm. especially as women, right? Like don't get angry. Don't speak your mind. Don't do this. We stuff shit down. We just stuff it. We stuff it and Mm -hmm. stuff it until it comes out sideways, right? And then, you know, we're in the middle of crisis, which will then lead us to want to numb this overwhelming pain that we feel. And so, you know, for me, I threw myself into work. I threw myself into physical fitness. I did all the things, right? And, you know, like if we were given the tools, if we were given the way, and again, this is, you know, generational (laughs) trauma being passed on down the line. Like if we were taught to honor emotions that come up, to be able to sit with the uncomfortable without wanting to numb it, right? To be able to feel anger, shame, and guilt, and all the things that are human emotions, (laughs) right? Um, Mm -hmm. we would probably struggle a lot less with all of, you know, like, I mean, the whole world is busy. The whole reason why we're busy is we're literally trying to avoid ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're just trying to find some way to numb out, right? And I think this is what happened in COVID. I think a lot when, when the busy got taken away, a lot of people had to sit with themselves because there was nowhere to go, no distractions, no nothing to do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, now we're seeing the effects of that. People are struggling, Right. So just like being able to sit with yourself, like is a huge thing. Yeah. It's it's like the first time I ever went to like a meditation class and I started crying and I had no idea why. And it was literally probably the first time I had actually stopped for a second. And then all of this emotion and I Mm -hmm. actually thought I was losing my mind. I ended up sitting through an eight week meditation class. This was years ago and cried nonstop for 90 minutes for eight weeks. And that was the space. And it was like, oh, yeah. wow, like I just unloaded so much stuff. Nice. <laughs> I love that. We're never given that opportunity. Yeah, it's like, no, of course not. And you're right, because we're not taught it. And from our generation, we're definitely not taught it. I mean, my parents are really, I love stoicism. I love stoicism. But stoicism without empathy is just brutal. So right. my parents are super stoic. They don't show their emotions, but they weren't taught either by the generation before them to show their emotions. So it's like, okay, and this is why I said you have a choice. You can be the generation that it stops here right now 
And I don't believe I'm not, I see, I'm a realist. Uh, also, I'm a little bit of a cynic. I don't believe the whole world is ever going to change and be all like amazingly conscious. It can't be because then we'll all be the same and it'd be really bland and boring. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, in your family lineage, you can choose to do things differently. And it will mean that you learn how to manage your emotional house. One of the main reasons that I didn't realize it is like living in Turkey in the winter. I'm on my own. I don't talk to anyone in the winter. Nothing. Like I'll just go about my really simple life. I spent most of the winter crying, crying and crying and crying. And I just was like, okay, this is where I am. This is good. I'm just going to, I mean, the thing is as well, like a lot of women don't like crying. And for me, I remember when I went out with an abusive boyfriend and he was all, I mean, he did some awful things to me and I didn't cry for two years and I thought it was like a badge of honor. I was like, I'm so strong. I can carry on for three breakdowns later. <laughs> That's why we have breakdowns, don't they? So it's like this break so we can start to, yeah, feel things. But yeah, it's like, I'm like, yes, yes, I can't even get my words up because I'm agreeing with you so much. It's just like we have to learn yeah. to be able to process our emotions. It's the things I'm here to teach, and I always, like everyone says, "Is that it?" And I'm like, "It's it's it's the, like this is the essential life skill. You've got to be able to manage yourself. Yeah. You've got to be able to manage yourself with life's." curveballs because life is a tricky motherfucker it's uncertain it's chaotic and we don't know what's coming around the corner and we have to be able to manage ourselves like even yesterday like we're in turkey and like i could nearly every part of my family is here right now for some strange reason and there was a argument yesterday between myself and my stepdad and it was my mum wasn't well and it got heated and uh, even though I know my work and I know myself inside out, there are going to be moments that I don't catch myself, that I don't do the correct thing. And yesterday I've kind of been mulling over and I was talking to my lovely sister about it. And I was just like, I feel really bad. You know, I got shouted at and I didn't like being shouted at. I feel quite upset. And I said, so this is why it's good to know yourself. I said, I can feel it triggering all my old wounding about being the bad girl, the outsider, the one who fucks everything up. And I said, I have to really hold myself with so much love and compassion right now because otherwise if I'm not conscious of this because a trigger can trigger all the other triggers, it's like I can slide down my spiral of despair and just think there's something wrong with me and there's nothing wrong with me. Right. I'm human. I'm infall infallible. I'm just like I'm messy. Yeah. And it's... So it's like learning to be able to hold ourselves in those tricky, because I tell you what, tricky moments are going to come. Someone's going to say something, you're going to react, and then you're going to think, oh, my God, I shouldn't have done it. And you need to be able to hold yourself yes. with so much love and compassion in those moments. For someone, I went through my life reacting, defensive. Like my sister said yesterday, she goes, you were so horrible. That was really hard to hear. Mm. That was really hard. For so many years, she goes, you were so horrible. And I didn't say anything to that, but later when we sat and we had uh, like something to eat and I just went, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I was so horrible to you. And it's like, but I never would have been able to do that 10 years ago. I would have reacted. I'm, like, I'm not horrible. You're horrible. 
you know, or would have like projected it out. But I was just like, oh, I I feel it when she said it. It was a real like, oh, and it's, I was just like, just hold it, breathe. And it's this, this ability to be able to manage yourself so you can have better conversations, deeper connection with the ones that you can have deeper connection with because some people, we can only go as far as they can go. For me, it's like being able to, yeah, just have that depth with people and you will find them. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's, you know, awareness is everything, right? Like making the unconscious conscious. And that, like you just said, it it doesn't mean that you're perfect. It means that you're aware of like when I screw up, right? Oh, I know I screwed up and that I can still hold myself in you know, compassion and love and acceptance for myself as an imperfect human. Again, huge lesson for me along the way, you know, and I think that's where I think I see, you know, when I started this off saying about, you know, seeing women berate themselves and at war with themselves, because when you're at war with your body, you're also at war with other parts of yourself. It's not just your body, right? I mean, I think that's how it comes out. But when I see you know, this amount of conflict that women are having with themselves, right? It hurts me because I know what it feels like and how horrible it is to live that way. And that, you know, when you can, and like, I'm by no means, you know, healed. The journey of healing is ongoing. But when you can, like, that I can actually wake up now in the morning and look at my naked body and tell her how much I love her, in fact, like literally about three mm-hmm. days ago, I had this thought that I'm like, wow, you've really come a long way because before I would look at my body and I would pinch something somewhere, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And tell it how wrong yeah. it is for being the way that it is, no matter what was going on in my life, right? And that I can stand in front of the mirror and have that that amount of acceptance of my body exactly as it is, is such a beautiful place to be. And I want that for all women to be able to have the ability to choose that for themselves, if they are, and make them aware that it is in fact a choice available to them, because I think people just don't know. Yeah. And I I do hear what you're saying. And I'm just, I'm sort of thinking the way that I think, and it's like, I really do guard my energy and my, it's my energy. And it's like, I'm both ferocious and very gentle. And it's like, it's not my responsibility to worry, be concerned about other women. It's not. Yet, when a woman says, I need help, I want to do things differently, I'm like, bitch, let's go. Let's do this. Because and I know that the majority of women will not wake up. They will continue to drink the Kool-Aid. And I'm okay with that. That's just life. And life is full of, you know, it's full of different people, different sort of layers. Layers is nice. I think layers and different realms and places in life. But it's like the woman who is ready to do things differently, that's the one that I get enthusiastic about. I'm like, yes. The ones who want to keep moaning, I'm like, bye-bye. Yeah. Carry on. Amen. Uh, so no, I, I do hear you. I hear you and I, I understand what you're saying. And yeah, I, I really do hear you. But for me, it's like, oh, I don't think that way. So it's got me thinking. It's like, well, why don't I think that way? And it is, it's like when they're ready, this goes on in my sort of family life as well. And actually I sit with my clients is that I sort of say, you got to stay in your own car and you've got to stay in your own life and your lane and you've got to focus on you because 
if you don't, you're going to be in everyone else's business, trying to fix yeah. them, trying to solve right. them. And I know from a personal family matter, well, I know for me, I was an addict, right? I hated myself, right? No one could help me until I was ready to be helped. Yes. No one could help me. That is so true. And yet until a woman, a man, a person is ready to do things differently, nothing is going to change them. Only you. It's you. You make that. It's like this internal shift and then everything starts to, yeah. it won't shift as quickly as you want it to shift, but. <laughs> no, and I think, no, no, for sure. And I a hundred percent agree with everything that you're saying. But one of the things that I want to model for people, and it's one of the reasons why I started this podcast and, you know, having these conversations is possibility. Because even if a person, mm -hmm. like a person sees us having this conversation, you know, they hear our journey. And even if they don't change in that moment, or maybe they don't change for five years, but somewhere there's a little seed planted. But the, but the thing is, though, right, they wouldn't be listening to your podcast if they weren't already on this journey. True, true, true. Right. So, nah, so, no, because they wouldn't be listening to this. So the seed's already there. They're seeking. They would not be listening because the people who do not want to change would not be no, listening to something this like is this. true. So I use myself as an example because when I was at the lowest of lows, like my entire, like I'm age 50, my entire life has blown up around me. Like I'm divorced, unemployed, an empty nester, and I'm bedridden with a stress-related illness. Like I literally can't get out of bed. And I start thinking to myself, okay, what's, okay, where do I even go from here? What's possible, right? And it's like, I started, you know, like I knew there had to be something else. Like I eventually got to the point where I'm like, okay, there has to be something else, but now where do I find it? And then yeah. I started searching for it. I'm like, okay, where are all the women doing, you know, amazing exactly. things in their 50s? Yeah, so that's why, yeah, so that's right? why you do what right. you do it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Right. But seeing possibility and like listening to conversations about possibility, it was like, maybe it wasn't planting the seed because the seed was already there, but it was watering the seed. It kind of kept me coming back for more because it was like yeah. the vision of and what it, was possible kept growing. Yeah. And the other thing as well in like people's journeys is that like, you're not going to resonate with everyone. I'm definitely not going to resonate with everyone. Right. And the thing is though, and that's, I was talking again about this earlier. It's like, you've got to find the people that you feel a congruence with. Yes. They open up. So you don't want, if you feel like I'm rubbing you up the wrong way, I'm not the person for you. Right. So like I've learned that over the years. And the thing is like, you want to find people in your DNA, you've got codes, right? You've got codes and you can hang around with people that magnify and activate the codes that tell you you're not good enough. There's something wrong with you. And the thing is, the other thing is you, you can hang around with people and that could be podcasts, books, people in the coffee shop, your family, whatever, right? That activate the codes in you that make yes. you feel, yes. oh, there's more. And they're the people you want in your life. Yeah. They're the ones you want in your life. And thing is, you become a, a heat seeking missile for those people when you declare it inside. You don't declare it to the world. You can just declare it inside. This is what I'm going to find. You've done it. I've done it. You know, there's many other women that are doing it. There's, you know, as many, it's, I was going to say, as many women doing it, there's not doing it, but there's more women not doing it. You know, there's more people not doing stuff. You know, as you rise up, there's less people and so on and so on. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. The are the ones doing it. But, you know, and I think, in you know, like people like you who are just unapologetically living their truth, whether you agree with that person yep. or 
don't agree with that person, there is something very attractive. And that in itself is possibility about somebody who's just like, I don't give a shit. I'm just going to be me because deep down inside, we all want that permission, <laughs> right? So you living yes, out loud and living really alive as you talk about, I just think is like, again, whether I agree with you or don't agree with you, it's like, wow, okay, it's one more step on the permission slip, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, which I love. Yeah, I've got I it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why I, I love your work. I honestly, I am so grateful that you are doing the work that you are doing in the world because it's 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 powerful. It's ridiculously powerful. Thank you. It is. It's life changing. Life changing. It, it is, is literally life changing. Yeah, and you know that's my wish for all women is that we just we see how powerful we are, right? And especially at this time of our lives when mm-hmm. the world is telling us we are less than, we're less valuable, less relevant less attractive, less, all the lesses, right? That we can see beyond that and to see our own power to live the life that we want to live. It just like, that's what gets me out of bed every morning. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. We will put all of the links to your Instagram, YouTube, all the things. And to anybody listening, please go check out this amazing woman and the work that she does. Your reels are awesome. So entertaining. (laughs) Your story is inspiring. Yeah, it's really, really powerful work. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, come and find me on Instagram. Yes, go find her on Instagram for sure. We'll make sure that it gets in the show notes. So to those of you listening, thank you. Thank you again. Um, So appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to the conversations. And uh, if you like what you heard, please give us a five-star review or better yet, pass this podcast along to a friend, a coworker, a family member that you think will get something out of. So until next time. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in.